Hello, this is Bookord. I'm Megan. And I'm Denise, aka Garth. <laughs> yes, yes. We were just talking about how Denise kind of looks like Garth right now and how if I just did some things with my hair, I could look like Wayne. From Wayne's <laughs> World. <laughs> okay, one of the best movies of my childhood. <laughs> And now just to keep up with, like, consistency, I feel like I have to say, Denise, you have to say your name, even though I already know you have. Oh, I swear, I feel so gaslit. When I edit <laughs> the episodes, I'm like, I fucking say it. It's all you, Megan. <laughs> well, the podcast took, like, a very left turn, I feel like, the last two months of like inconsistency things happening because of life and holidays you know how it always gets around december and january like things just november december january things get like crazy with just family and shit <laughs> Need a little break and now we're back and we should yeah. have a good consistent believe knock on wood or plastic? <laughs> I have wood I can knock on. Oh, good shit. Should I have done that? My <laughs> dog now, my dog Your dogs just, just go crazy. Like, Who's that? <laughs> like, is that someone at the door? <laughs> uh, today is our, is it our first mini-sode? Yeah, of the yeah. year? Oh, shit. I feel special. The first mini-sode yeah. of the year, uh, starting with moi, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> you had to clarify. I did. Uh, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> I am the loud, obnoxious one. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just, I'm here for the vibes. <laughs> class. And the book I am going to talk about today is called When Women Were Dragons <gasps> by Kelly Barnhill. I was going to read this book. <laughs> well, well, well. But oh, only how because the... it had dragons in the title. Oh, how the turns have tabled. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I'll still have to read it, though. Yes. Because this book is very different from what I think you're thinking it was. It was different oh, from yeah. what I was thinking it was. Um, it is definitely mostly historical fiction with mm -hmm. a little dragon oh, sprinkled yeah. in there until maybe until about the end. I I don't really have much thoughts on what it's gonna be about of the connotation that the word dragon holds you know especially in relation to women mm -hmm. i expected kind of like a feminist essay type yeah. but just like okay. a story you know what i mean where it was yeah. just like women who maybe were going through like different hardships and just like them maybe channeling their anger or just like stronger emotions into what they were doing type but I know it was like a fiction, so I know it wasn't going to be like a essay, but just kind of that vibe. You know what I mean? Okay. 
No, I can get what you mean. Um, it is a lot of that. Uh, there are actually dragons, though. So I will say oh, that. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. that's cool. So the um, synopsis of the book is Alex Green is a young girl in a world much like ours, except for its most sem- uh, seminal event, the mass dragoning of 1955. When hundreds of thousands of ordinary wives and mothers sprouted wings, scales, and talons, left a trail of fiery destruction in their paths and took to the skies. Was it their choice? What would become of those left behind? Why did Alex's beloved Aunt Marla transform, but not Alex's mother? And Alex's mother said not. No one knows it's taboo to speak of. Forced into silence, Alex nevertheless must face the consequences of this astonishing event. A mother more protective than ever, an absentee father, their upsetting insistence that her aunt never even existed, and watching her beloved cousin Beatrice become dangerously obsessed with the forbidden. So, um, there are actual dragons. Like, women turning into dragons is, like, an actual thing in the book. Um, it's something that does happen. And, um, it's interesting because, like, Dragoning has, it's so weird. This whole book is like an allegory of just. Ooh, that's exactly what I felt. It was gonna yeah, be. this whole book is an allegory of just how women are treated, how women are dehumanized, how femininity and, um, how just woman anything was, especially back in the 50s and 60s. Um, like, dragoning, it becomes like, oh, you don't talk about it, you don't talk about it. It's almost like how you expected people to have talked about, um, oh, you don't talk about menstruation, you don't talk about menopause, you don't talk about pregnancy, right? Um Dragoning definitely becomes just like that. You know, like, back then, like, you literally, like, you could not say the word pregnant on television. Like, um, famously, uh, famously, Lucy from the I Love Lucy show was, like, the first ever, like, pregnant woman on television. Like, and they had her character be pregnant. And, but they could not say the word pregnant in the show so you always had that running joke of um of ricky in the show going oh she's ah, he butchered his accent in my defense i feel like he really upped his accent too uh <laughs> she's expecting like she's expecting why am i going like southern with it a little bit but like saying <laughs> he would say she's expecting like that's what you would say like she's expecting yeah um, I mean, and... even thinking in the modern day, people don't talk about periods, uh, like in general television. It's mm-hmm. something that's still taboo. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, yeah. I remember how um, that Pixar movie, Turning Red, remember how, like, one of the big things people talked about was how, like, they talked about tampons and pads in it, like, yeah, because turning red it's her turning into a panda itself was an allegory of her becoming a woman like her 
Like when you were talking about the dragons with this book, all I thought of was turning red. <laughs> like in my head, I was like, "Yeah, that sounds like that movie exactly." Yeah, yeah, that is a big part of it. Um, so we start out with um, Alex Green. She is the main character. She lives that quintessential um, 1950s house. You know, lives in the suburbs. As a mother and father, except the book starts out with us saying, um, like with Alex saying, like, my mother disappeared one day and then one day she came back and no one ever talked about it. Hmm. And this was this big thing. Um, so one of the first scenes we see, um, is Alex's mother comes back, like her dad is comes home and he um brings her mother home and at this point alex's aunt marla has been doing like the housework taking care of alex taking care of alex and stuff like that and her mom comes home and she looks really sick she looks really skinny like she looks really frail and stuff like that and we kind of already like we kind of already get the understanding that okay like she was sick like she was in the hospital but it's just never talked about like it's just not taught, like, literally, it is not talked about. And we see this all through Alex's eyes. So we're getting, like, her kind of um, perspective of all this. Like, all she knows so is, like, least... her mother was gone. Now she's back. Her mother kind of freaked her out with the way she looked. Um, and so at least to Alex, they don't talk about what happened to her mother, or it's like nobody talks. Like about no it. one really ever talks about it. You know, it could just be mostly to Alex, but um, mm-hmm. and then we also see this scene where Marla is taking care of Alex's mom, and there are um scars on her chest, and that like for us readers like tells us okay, like she. She had breast cancer. Like, that's probably, like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, so we knew that um, it was cancer um, that her mom had. And we see a lot of Alex's childhood. Like, the major problem that starts happening there is that Alex is getting annoyed with Marla because Marla is always there. Marla is always doing stuff for her mom that she, Alex wishes her mom would now do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like but Marla's there to take her mother. Yeah. But like Marla's just trying to take care of her mother. And her mother eventually gets stronger, she gets healthier, and even she starts to get annoyed that Marla keeps doing these things because like she now feels healthy enough to do it. And yeah. they get into this really big fight. Um Alex's mom and Marla get into this really big fight. And basically Alex's mom says you know, we like you can come back and we can go back to normal if you just had a husband and child like everyone else should, like oh, like you shit. should. Um, yeah, and throughout this whole time, we are getting hints that Marla is a lesbian. Like Marla, mm. she is a mechanic. She has been a um. She wears pants. She just kind of drops some hints herself, you know, like men just aren't her thing. Um, and so 
after that fight, Marla kind of disappears from their lives, but then she does turn back up and she does end up getting married. She does have a kid um, because of that peer pressure of back then, right? Like, Question, mm-hmm. what year is this set in and what country? Is it the U.S.? It is the U.S. Um, okay. And we really only see... I think the main state it's in is i want to say wisconsin okay um, and we wisconsin. really only see like <laughs> we only really see like how things happen in wisconsin um the world at large gets mentioned in bits and pieces but um and right now what i'm talking this. about all of this is happening before 1955 Okay. 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 We'll get to nineteen fifty five. Yeah. So um so she gets married. Uh the guy's a total fucking loser. He's an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. He's a shithead. Alex has talks Alex talks about how much she hates him. Um but Marla comes back to their lives and Alex uh talks about how even with Marla back in their lives, like it doesn't seem to have it doesn't seem to have tamed Marla it the way that I think Alex's mom and society was hoping marriage would tame her uh, because like they would have dinners together and Marla always brought up how brilliant Alex's mom was. She'd be like, your mother was so smart. She was a genius in mathematics. She could do anything with numbers. Like she could have been blah, blah, blah. Like, it's always like, she could have been this. She could have been that. Like she was so amazing. There was no sense of complacency in her current position or some another woman's current position. Mm-hmm. It was like, what could have been? Yeah. Well, basically, so Marla raised Alex's mom. Mostly, I think their parents, something happened to their parents. And so Marla raised her mom and her mom was a genius with math. Like, so, and she actually, um, she got a job at a bank and that's where she met Alex's dad. And we get the sense that her mom started, like she was a genius and she could have been, like she could have gone on and used that genius, but it seems like her mother her mother bent to society and what society expected and wanted her to do by marrying her father and having a child. And, but Marla tried to fight it as much as she could. And Marla definitely had this like inner rage in her and rage is definitely associated with the dragons. Like, Every time people, like, every time a woman would get mad, like, every time um, Alex talks about her mom would get mad or Marla would get mad, she would mention their eyes changing. You know what I mean? Like, so it was, like, every time that rage would happen, like, the dragon could come out, you know? Like, so, um, so it, the story starts with that, um, Alex, uh, Marla, the aunt, um, she has, uh, they end up having, she has, ends up having a little girl. Her name is Beatrice. Alex talks about how much she loves Beatrice. Beatrice is her famous, favorite human being. Like 
She always wants to be around Beatrice. She thinks she's so cute. She thinks she's so funny. And then one day, the mass in 1955, the mass dragoning happens. And the mass dragoning is when all these women, um, we are led to assume that the majority of the women are wives. Uh, mm. All these women dragoned. Uh, thousands and thousands of women across the U.S. and across the world just dragoned one day. Um, no one and knows they transformed why. into a dragon? They literally transformed into a dragon. And the book talks about how on, on top of that, lots of husbands got eaten. So, <laughs> like, a lot of husbands were killed by the dragons. Like, so, um, Is it weird to say that that makes sense? <laughs> like, no, it makes total sense. You know, became, like, it makes total sense. I became a sense. dragon and ate their, their spouse. Oh, yeah. It makes total sense. Um, and so that mass dragoning happens, and Marla was one of the women who transformed. And so, mm -hmm. um, uh, Alex's mom has to go, and obviously it is implied that she killed the husband as well. Um, mm. And Alex's mom goes and she picks up Beatrice. And when she comes home with Beatrice, um, she is, tells uh, uh, Alex to take her si sister outside. And Alex is like, what? <laughs> and from that moment on, Beatrice is referred to as the sister. It is like, it is just like they all pretend that she, the adults all just act like she's been there the whole time, and Alex is like gaslit, <laughs> like, and it's like no, she's been here the whole time. There is no Marla. There's no nothing, like, and the dragoning, this whole big thing that happened, is talked about for a little bit, and then the society is like, okay, we just don't talk. Like, we're just not going to talk about it ever again. And what? Uh, sorry if I if you said it, but what happened to the dragons? They just like so it's mentioned that the dragons all flew away. Um, some are mentioned to have gone to like these islands. Some are mentioned to have gone to like Antarctica or something. Um, there is mentions of dragons just going up into space too, like in exploring space. So I guess that's something they can do. Like so, the dragons just okay. up and left. Okay. And, um, and throughout this, like, women are dragoning, like, turning into tra to dragons. Um, like, this is happening, like, all the time. Not all the time, but, like. Oh, just, okay, okay. Like, it was one like woman one will turn into a dragon. Event, and then yeah. it kept happening. But and then it kept happening. Locally. But even before that one big event. Like, it is assumed, like, well, it's not assumed. Like, we know that it also happened randomly to women as well. Um, mm. Like, in one of the early chapters, one of Alex's neighbors, um, this little, this older lady who would give Alex, like, candy or something like that, uh, she, Alex saw her transform into a dragon. And, but once again, Alex was kind of gaslit into being quiet about it because, like, no one talked about it. And that house becomes, mm. like, an abandoned house on the street. No one does anything with it. Um, and 
all throughout the book, on top of getting Alex's stories, um, every time before a new chapter, we get like little snippets of um, this book called, I forget what it's called. <laughs> but it's like these firsthand accounts about dragons. Um, and there's a book about like why women dragon and stuff like that. Um, and like, so we get snippets of that book or like there are times where we get like this transcript of one of the doctors who wrote that book. He's brought before um, the Supreme Court because um, he's in trouble for even talking about this. Like dragoning, also think of, you know, the McCarthy era, right? Like everyone's assumed to be a communist. Yeah. Okay, so how communist, the assumption of communism, the McCarthyism of that era is is transferred into dragoning as well. Like they, people who are talking about the dragoning, people who are looking into it, it's like, oh, you're an enemy of the state. Oh, you could be a communist. Like, so um, they get in trouble too. So hmm. you get like other snippets of that too. So that's how we also know that dragoning is just happening at random to these women at different times so as well. So it's like, don't disrupt the peace by talking about this thing yeah. that's happening. Just, you know, settle into your roles and ignore these women. Yeah. Yeah. What's happening to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Basically. I feel like I see the allegory, but maybe. I mean, no. Simple. Yeah. It's, there's a lot in there. Like it covers a lot. And, um, but Alex's mom doesn't transform. She stays. And so we get to see Alex's life. Um, and from like when she's seven until she's about like, I think it's from when she's seven until she's about like 14. Um, we see her live with her mom. Anytime Alex acts a little different, her mom is very quick to shut that down. Um, her mom becomes like obsessed with she uses like her mathematical brain into like making these knots and she would like make these knots on the kids wrists with like bracelets you know and it's like she is trying to make it so they don't transform like she's trying to find a way to like stop transformation you know but um the knots never last very long and there's this time when her, like, we also get this assumption that her mom is a little bit magic as well, because, like, when her mom gets frazzled or gets very angry, the knots come undone by themselves. Like, it's weird. Like, um, so we know that that, basically, I think it's trying to show us that that rage that Marla had, the rage that these other women had, was also in Alex's mom, but she mm. just never transformed. Mm. And um, her mom is becomes very controlling, very protective, basically just trying to do what she can for Alex and Beatrice. The dad is a 
fucking piece of shit. I wanted him to fucking die so much. I fucking hated that fucker. Like, one of my issues with this book, there wasn't many. This was a five-star read for me. I don't think I mentioned that before. Um, is that these women are turning into dragons, and I'm sitting here like, fucking kill all the men! And it doesn't happen. <laughs> I'm like, kill them all! Eat them! <laughs> like, especially You're like, the there's free meat all around you. Like, just eat like, them. <laughs> Have a final the meal before you head off. <laughs> yes, because he is a fucking piece of shit. He is that typical 1950s male. Woman stays at home. Woman doesn't talk. She... Girls aren't supposed to go to college. They go to secretary school. They get married, have children. Like, I'm the breadwinner. I can do whatever the fuck I want. And he is so just disconnected from Alex, the whole family. Um, He's always away on quote-unquote business trips, right? And we get the assumption what these fucking business trips are. Like, he's just fucking cheating. Like, he's doing something. And... and it's, it's interesting that the, the author paired a, a guy like that with the mom. And mm-hmm. to see her, like, hold in her anger. I mean, that's kind of mm-hmm. the assumption, right? Because she didn't become a dragon. And she's yeah. having to deal with the man like this. Like, that's interesting. Like, to mm-hmm. speak of how so many women have had to hold in their anger... Or just, like, what's the word? Like, I don't know. Compress it inside? That's really Mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. But also, like, I imagine as a reader, you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Trust me. Um, Okay. So, um, Alex is going to high school. She's noticing that her mom is getting a little bit weaker. Um... She is having to take a lot of naps. And we as readers are like, okay, like her mom's getting sick again. Like obviously the cancer is back. But Alex just doesn't know that because once again, like it's not talked about. So Alex doesn't know that cancer was ever a thing to even have to worry about. And then one night at dinner, her mom stuff blood and like faints or something and her dad like freaks out and he is like oh my god why didn't you tell me it was back oh my god like he's so worried about her he's like treated her like she is like a china doll that could break and alex is like you know i never thought of my father as loving my mother and i don't know if he ever did and I still have a lot of mixed feelings about my father, but in that moment, I do believe he loved her. Mm. And he, like, puts her, like, he bundles her in the car, he takes her to the hospital, he leaves Alex in charge of her and Beatrice, and he's gone for, like, a couple of days, and then he comes back, and it's basically, and her mom's still in the hospital, and it's basically, like, okay, Alex, like, you have to take care of your sister, and he just mm. works all the time and um sin- and after that initial time of 
going to the hospital and bringing her to the hospital, he never visits her again, basically, is what we assume. Oh, shit. Um, Alex and Beatrice go to see their mom every day after school. Um, and she's getting weaker and weaker. And then, unfortunately, she uh, dies while Alex is there. And, uh, uh, and Beatrice is there, too, but she's, like, asleep. And her mother passes away. And then, as if he wasn't hateful enough, this fucker brings, is after the funeral, he brings Alex and Beatrice to this shabby little apartment and is like, okay, well, this is where you're going to live. Like by themselves? Yeah. By themselves. Alex is like... 16? Oh, and shit. Beatrice is obviously younger than that. Like, maybe she's like 7? Um, oh! I thought like a couple of years. Oh, shit. No, because I think Alex was about like 7-ish when Beatrice was oh, born. Oh, that's true, that's true. You're right, you're so right. So she's about like 5, 6 maybe? Um, But between 5 and oh, 7, I guess. I can't math. But, um, yeah, his pregnant secretary is now going to be his new wife. And she's going to move in, and they're not part of the family now. Like, basically, like, he's starting over with his pregnant secretary, and they're just going to live in that apartment. And he pays for everything, and he gives a monthly allowance, but, um, and he, like, he, like, tells Alex, he's like, you better fucking do, um, what you can to make sure, like, this doesn't get out. Like, I don't want to have to deal with anything. Like, because he would still get in trouble, like, if the school found out what he did or what, like, or social mm-hmm. services found out, like, there would still be problems, right? And my thinking is, like, get the fucker in trouble. Like, have at it, the stupid motherfucker. But, like, also, I thought, but also, like, I, the assumption would be, I think, is that Beatrice and Alex would be separated, and that's not what Alex wanted. So yeah. Alex completes high school while, um cooking, cleaning. Um, she's the smartest one in school. She fucking gets in trouble, by the way. Like, when her, when her mom was still alive, this was another thing, when her mom was still alive, they're called into the principal's office because Alex is doing too good in school and it's making the boys feel bad about themselves or something. Like, it's... <laughs> and you as a woman have to coddle. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Or you as a girl have to coddle boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um, during Alex's like last year of school, she's put in this class that she's already taken. Like, so what Alex does is she's been taking like college level courses um, all throughout high school. Like she goes to the library and it's basically like online, but with mail because that's how it would have had to be done back then. Like, <laughs> like a little catalog basically um and so like and she was getting the credit 
and she was like, I already took this class, like, um, and the other principal and I, like, had this deal, I, like, I don't even know, but basically they made her take the class again, and the fucking teacher, it was, like, his first year teaching, and he didn't even know, like, it's, like, calculus or something like that, he didn't know fucking calculus, so they made her take this, take that class again, just so the teacher could make her teach the course and do the grading and basically do his fucking job for him. While he also, while also the teacher treated her like shit because she was the only girl in that class. Like, it was so fucking annoying. I might become a dragon right now. Hearing this, this was not a good book to read at night before bed because I would get so rageful. <laughs> I was like, I mean, I know I'm supposed to feel this way. Like, this book is literally about feminine rage and female rage, but yeah, it was a lot. I was like, I'm gonna fucking kill someone here, and it's going to be all the men. There was no decent man in this book. Like, I swear to fucking God, there wasn't. Well, no. The doctor, the doctor who, like, looked into, like, dragoning and stuff, he was a pretty decent decent dude. But, like, we didn't get to see him that much. Like, and I mean, and I mean, hearing what you said about, like, the men who would talk about, or the women who would talk about it, like, I imagine mm-hmm. there's just kind of, like, this... Like, the good people, the good men probably aren't, like, <laughs> the forefront. I don't know. Yeah, they're not, not. So, like, it was really frustrating. Um, then what's and and what's the ending? Like, this what... whole t- Sorry. Not huh? <laughs> and what's the ending? Like, does she become a dragon? Oh, no, hold on. We'll get like, to it, okay? What... Throughout this okay, whole okay. time, like, throughout this whole time... We are assuming dragonings are happening just based off of things that are being said by Alex. But it's not being straight up talked about, like, at all. Okay? But we are assuming these dragonings are happening. And then, um... Okay, Alex, it's almost time for Alex to graduate, right? And she wants to go to college. Her dad is saying he's not going to pay for it. Um, Her dad was supposed to come see them every Sunday. He didn't big surprise there like i think they went like three years without seeing each other like (laughs) um holy shit yeah and then um it's prom night and alex goes she gets invited by this one boy and she goes and throughout this whole book too um it is very much alluded to that Alex is a lesbian as well. She had a friend when she was a kid um, who was, like, basically our only friend. She talked about how much she loved her. And it was a very innocent type of love. Like, she just always wanted to be around her. She wanted to see her. She And, like, she didn't think anything about like about it. Like, she just wanted to be with this girl. Like, she didn't... It wasn't anything sexual. Like, it was literally just a kid wanting to be with this person who they considered their person, you know? Um, Yeah. But one day, while she and her were playing, um, they're playing in the leaves, and they... 
I think, like, their lips touch. I don't know if, like, it was purposeful or what have you, but her father catches it, and he, like, drags that friend away, and they ground Alex, and then her father has um, that friend's family, like, evicted from the, the house they were renting because <gasps> he was, like, part of a bank, like, the bank that owned it. Like, I don't know, but... Um, so, like, that relationship, like, kind of clued the readers into where Alex's, like, love might go, like, how her preferences, mm-hmm. you know? Um, mm-hmm. so, she goes to the prom with this boy, and then she's, like, the only girl at the prom who doesn't transform. It is crazy. <laughs> like, it's another, like, oh, little mass dragoning that happens. It's not on the same big scale, but... Yeah. Um, it still happens. And these girls all transform. And this starts, that transformation started, like, this whole thing about dragons, should they be accepted to, into society, and all that stuff, you know? And after mm-hmm. that happens, another drag, like, a dragon seems to be stalking Alex, and we find out it's Marla. And Whoa. lo and behold... When she found, um, when Marla found out that Alex and Beatrice were living in the, um, apartment, apartment by themselves, she goes to the house where her father was, like, now living and wanted to fucking burn it down. Like, she was ready to destroy it, but Alex had followed her and they fucking talk. The dragons, the dragons can talk. <laughs> oh, shit. And you didn't know that until that point. No. Mm. Like, we knew so that these... dragons... <sighs> so it's not like they became, like, full animal. Like, they were still the no, sentient beings. No, they literally beings. just They just fucked off because they were like, fuck all of you. Yeah. I'm gonna move to Hawaii or go into literal space because that's better than being here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, like, before it was thought that, like, oh, these dragons completely forget who they were and blah, blah, blah. Like, that's not true at all. And Alex is, like, living at Marla. She is, like... um, Marla ends up not destroying the house, by the way. But Alex is, like, livid with Marla. She's, like, you fucking left us. You left my mom. Like, you... Like, she was just so bad. She's like, we don't need you. Like, go away. You aren't needed here. Like, and I, I think rightfully so. I mean, I understand her feelings, right? Her father yeah. ends up coming after Mala goes. They have this talk. Her father looks really fucking sick. Um, and uh, he gives her, he gives Alex this box that the mom had wanted her to have and his right. his new wife had ended up leaving him uh because she doesn't want to <laughs> deal with him being sick so the house is like in I disarray you're... i know I it's so, it's she turned into a dragon karma. i'm so no she she just left and it... she was a fucking bitch she treated alex like shit um oh, shit. she wanted nothing to do with alex or beatrice and also this whole time, her dad, were, like, never called Beatrice her, like, her name or her sister. He was, like, that 
girl, like, he was not on oh, board wow. with, like, adopting Beatrice. He did not see Beatrice as his problem, especially after um, the mom died. So, um, he gives Alex this box that this her mom wanted her to have. He dies a few days later. Ha ha. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Um, Marla comes back and she's basically like, listen, I don't care if you want me here or not, but you need help and you have to accept that. And she's like, um, we need to find out where all your mom's money is. And what happened was, um, Marla had forced the mom to open an account in her name before she got married. And she put some money in there. And she did the same thing with Alex and Beatrice. And her mom, like I said, was such a genius with numbers. Like, she invested in all these places. So, like, basically, Alex has a shit ton of money now. And so she can oh, end up... Yeah, and one of the things that her mom had was a property that turned out, like, um, it was in between rent renters. And Alex was like, you know what, I'll just stay there because I'm going to go to... I'm going to college. It's a free place to live. Um, and so she's going to college, uh, living in Madison, Wisconsin now. I think it's Madison. Um, <laughs> it's like the big city in Wisconsin where I think the University yeah. of Wisconsin is. Um, I don't know much about Wisconsin. Yeah, I don't know much. I, I used to live by there. I used to, I mean, I live in Illinois, <laughs> but like... <laughs> It, okay, like, that's what's for close, you. That was close to Wisconsin. I think it was Madison. Um, anyway, so um, Marla has moved in, and with Marla has come like these other dragons too. And now they're like living as like this big commune family, basically. And this whole time, like Beatrice has been obsessed with dragons, and Aww. she has now started to like do, like, mini transformations into a dragon. And Alex has been like, no, stop, 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 because she's, like, she doesn't want to lose Beatrice. And so Beatrice would, like, transform back. The world, after that, after that one dragoning with the prom, the world has started to be, like, dragons should have rights to a lot of dragons who left now went back home because they missed their family. And so, yeah. like... Dragons are becoming a part of society. Um, people are, like, fighting for their rights. It's like, yeah, for dragon rights. Um, and um, Alex meets back up with that old friend of hers. And they fall in love. They become an item. Uh, mm. But... But then her friend dragons and her friend wanted to go to space and she wanted Alex to go with her, but Alex didn't. Uh, she wanted to stay uh, with Beatrice and her family. And basically um, the dragons become a part of Alex's family. Um, Alex decides to finally like let Beatrice be who she wants to be and what she wants to be was a dragon. And, um, they, it talks about how she becomes this, um, 
Beatrice will grow up and she will become like this advocator for dragon equality and she will win the Nobel Peace Prize for it. And oh, shit. Alex um Alex becomes like this super genius and she and this other woman uh had this wonderful marriage. Um they she ends up buying the house where she first saw the dragon like that dragon for the very first time. And yeah. Full it's, it comes full circle. So the thing I wanted to talk about with the mom it was a very good ending. Um she Alex never becomes a dragon. And mm-hmm. I know some people were disappointed with that. I know yeah, some people were like a little disappointed with that, but I kinda liked that she didn't because she went her whole life and she would have these moments of rage where she, um, a guy, I guess, like, she would mention how, like, the person who she was fighting with, like, the men she was fighting with, would, like, suddenly, like, cower because, like, they could see something in her eyes. You know? Like, mm. so she was having that rage, and her eyes were obviously having that dragon rage. But she spent her whole life, like, hating the dragon. Not hating the dragons, but trying to keep her family together and to do that it meant not becoming a dragon like not letting Beatrice mm-hmm. become a dragon um mm-hmm. so I kind of liked it like it was it, I liked how it's like you know Alex was able to achieve everything she wanted to, to achieve without having to become a dragon mm-hmm. um like I mean you see the like the the pros of both sides mm-hmm. of like seeing someone who saw the system in place and like worked to use the system for their own benefit and come out mm-hmm. on top versus the people who said fuck the system I'm just mm-hmm. gonna like ignore it completely yeah and so you get to see both the person that I don't think you get to see often which is a person that like just stays in the system and like mm-hmm. you know finds a way to just like be happy at the end mm-hmm. um, yeah I don't think you see many characters like that yeah and like she kept like she and Beatrice stayed sisters like Beatrice stayed around like yeah. dragons were accepted back into society she had her family again um one of the big it's like one of the big things about the middle of the book after her being abandoned by the father was about like, oh, um, Alex would say to Beatrice, like, it's you and me, like, we're all each other has. And then the end of the book, when Marla comes back, like, and Marla is the one who helped convince her to let her accept Beatrice, be who she wants to be. Marla was like, it's not like that anymore. She's like, I'm here now. Yeah. You have, um, um, uh, Marla's um, lover, her wife, I don't know if they actually were ever married, but um, was there helping. Like, they had their own little family. Like, Alex wasn't alone anymore, and she wasn't, like, the one. And, like, she wasn't, like, the one who had to make all the decisions. And so um, that was a really lovely thing. And she was showing Marla there was, like, there's other ways to cope with these hard situations. Not no, just, like... I don't think it was anything yeah. like that. Like, I, I'm not sure why she 
didn't drag in except for she just never she never felt the pull um one of the big things about this was like he women would feel this pull to become bigger mm-hmm. than they were to go someplace where they couldn't and she never really felt that from what i could see um everything she wanted to do she accomplished and dragony just wasn't what she wanted to do um mm-hmm. and i th- and i think the end shows like that's okay like even though yeah dragony's badass and yeah like if you want to be a dragon be a dragon but it's okay if you don't either like be what yeah. you want to be you know um, her situation i want to talk about this her situation is different from her mother because um when Alex mm-hmm. sees her father again, it is her father does suggest that her mother felt the pull. Her mother felt the pull to become a dragon. However, she did not want to leave Beatrice and Alex alone. Like that was her thing. Like her mother had the strength to not transform for Alex and Beatrice. So her mother stayed in that shitty situation. Her mother stayed with that shitty, horrible man. So she could make sure that Alex and Beatrice were okay. Because Marla was gone. Mm. And I think that is another strength. Like, I think that's, like, a big thing that I kind of really loved. Because I was like, I think we need to talk about, especially for women back then, the thing that needs to be talked about was, like, the woman who stayed for the people they loved, I feel like, and by people, I mean, like, their children. I'm not talking about those shitty men. Like, fuck them. But her mom, <laughs> I other think... child. <laughs> right? Her mom, I think, knew that if she was gone, Alex and Beatrice were fucked. And she loved them so much that she stayed around as for as long as she could mm-hmm. and that meant not becoming a dragon and I thought that was really beautiful I mean the sacrifice of a mom that even mm-hmm. over her own you know happiness is able mm-hmm. to give that up for their kids and even all the like potential experiences and everything mm-hmm. I mean yeah that's beautiful. Yeah. I like that. Especially because, like, like, it sounds like Marla wanted her mom to transform with her. Like, Marla wanted her to become a dragon, too. But her mom yeah. was like, no, like, I can't. Like, one of us has to be here. Yeah. And I think that shows just as much strength. Like, I think that shows just as much strength, if not maybe even a little more strength than Marla had. Like, we're, we were led to this whole time, we were being told Marla was the strong one all this stuff, but I, in the end, I think it was her mom who was the strong one. I think it's both. I feel like they're, they're both, both like, but people you to... know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, mean, I feel like equal thing, amounts. Yeah. This whole thing was an allegory. So, like, you're going to read it and you're going to come to your own conclusions about things and stuff like that. It was a really beautiful book. Um, I feel like the ending... The ending was definitely a little more, like, fantasy because that's when the dragons were coming back mm-hmm. and they were integrating them into society and stuff like that. Um, but it 
I really enjoyed it. Um, I know that there's some divide on the book because some people have issues with the book focused on the dragoning of these um, middle-class white women because that's what Marla mm. and um, Alex was, Alex's mom wore and stuff like that. Um, it does mm. mention in one of those like side pieces before the um, before the like a chapter, um, there was this discussion about how um, these black women were um, protesting and um, oh god, what do you call it when you're not working because of something that the company's doing wrong? On my, strike or like thank you they were on strike my brain um, totally fucking like went blank uh these women were on strike uh these factory women were on strike because of um how they were being treated uh their pay mm. and all this stuff and the men wouldn't listen to them so they went on strike the um men hired these criminals to like rough up the women and try to get them to stop but the men uh, were never seen again. And it is highly suggested that uh, some of those women dragoned and killed them. And, um, but that was really the only mention of women of color dragoning in the book. Mm. And so I understand, I definitely understand, like, if you are a person of color reading this and that bothers you, that is very valid. Um, the author is a white woman. So I think she might not have felt comfortable talking about because uh, the struggles of colored women when she herself isn't one. Um, but I don't know. So I think, you know, you always hear that argument like, I've seen so many arguments about people being like, um, if a white author... Um, takes it on themselves to like write about um people of color struggles and stuff like that uh there's issues mm -hmm. with that too and i'm not sure if maybe she just didn't feel like comfortable doing that before that reason or what um mm -hmm. but i think that's a valid criticism to have if you are a person of color and you felt that so yeah. uh like that's one of the bigger things i saw that people have with this book so I just wanted to mention that and put that out there that yeah that, that is an issue that some people had so yeah and I mean it's it, valid if valid it's not an issue I don't know I I, yeah. I feel <laughs> it's one of those things where like being a white woman like I feel like <laughs> I, it's so hard like, for me because, like, I don't understand it as much because it's not my experience. Um, yeah. But all I know is that, like, if we should be listening to those voices if they have issues, you know? Yeah, I think, like, because the point is of the book is it's an allegory for a woman's rage, right? Like, the ways in which a woman yeah. and their position in society and everything, right? Yeah. And I mean, I think that, like, in general, like, yeah, I, I think it makes sense that she is a white woman. The other is a white woman, right? <laughs> um, yeah, the author is a white woman, is, yeah. 
yeah, is writing this book that centers around this white family who's also middle class. Mm-hmm. But if you're having all these other little snippets, you do wonder, like, what is the nuance of a woman's rage when you're disabled, when you're a mm-hmm. person of color? Like, can you know, yeah. can you like expand the world a little bit more that you're making? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, is the one thing I would say. Yeah, no, definitely valid. Uh, this like this book definitely was a focus of um, uh, the middle class white woman. Um, there was definitely. Yeah there wasn't as much representation in terms of people of color. Um, it definitely had a lot of queer representation. I will say that, uh, this is a very queer book. Um, so there is that representation. So, yeah. (laughs) uh, So there is representation in here. Uh, just not for people of color. And like I said, that is something that gets mentioned in reviews for this book by people of color. So it is a valid point. Yeah. Yeah. So like yeah, it's just that like was... she covered one facet and then she was like, Yeah, she covered one on facet and didn't not yeah. really the rest. Um because it was definitely I will say this, it was all from Alex's point of view. Um, and it was a middle-class white suburbia in Wisconsin, of all places. Like, we didn't see much of the world at large until the very end. Like, the very end. Yeah. So, I don't know if maybe Alex's perspective kept it being so closed, you know? Like, but, um... She sounds like an unreliable narrator. <laughs> yeah. Especially because you don't know what's, like genuinely true or what her as a young child and later like, a woman sees or like thinks, if it's yeah. just what she's seen yeah yeah which <laughs> not i mean it's a low-hanging fruit but like to have the white <laughs> this woman narrator who doesn't recognize the perspectives of other people of color <laughs> or is aware of them <laughs> like i mean it's kind of on point <laughs> Yeah. But, yeah. So, um, uh, but like overall, I think this was a beautiful book about, um, the rate female rage. Um, I think it is a great book, especially if you are queer. Um, overall, um, I gave this book, um, on Goodreads five out of five. Uh, I would say like a 4.5. I do, I took away um points for that lack of representation but it was still such a beautiful book for me and i do think this book um is great for queer women especially i do think this is a queer a book for queer women um and concept yeah i really enjoyed it i thought it was beautiful um so yeah, that was When Women Are Dragons. The cover is beautiful, too. <laughs> oh, it's really pretty. Yes. Um, so, yeah, that was first story time of the year. <laughs> Damn. And you're reining in at that hour mark. 
<laughs> I am so good. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, sick. That was. I'll probably read it, um, even though it's not my typical genre, but, you know, why not? That sounds fun. It's very, like, magical realism, no, that, like, takes the allegory and just, like, expands it for the whole book. I love oh, that. Oh, yeah, this was definitely magical realism, yeah. yeah um, and the shit. whole book I'm learning... Was... Yeah. I'm learning to love that genre as an adult, like the magical realism. It is a realism. tough genre. I, it, it is so up in the air for me, that genre. I yeah. have I have loved some and I have hated some. I have, it is always in between for me. Like, it, I mean, it is always like one or the other for me. Um, I think magical realism is such a tough yeah. genre to write and get right. When I think about it, what's funny is that, like, reading a lot more Latino, but also Mexican authors, a lot of them will use them when I read the uh, contemporary, mm-hmm. um, especially YA contemporary. And um, I can, for a fact, I can call out The Inheritance of Orquedia Divina by Zoraida Cordova. As, like, the reason that I learned, like, oh, shit, this is a sick genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think mainly I see it in a lot of those books from Latino authors. So, like, for me, it's kind of like, ooh. And I see it in mm-hmm. even, like, like um, original works from Mexico. So it's not just, like, mm-hmm. Mexican-American authors. It's, like, a lot of, like, Mexican authors. So I think I've that's I've never thought about too. it before, but, yeah, I, now that I think about it, a lot of the magical realism books that I've seen have been from Latina yeah. authors and Latino authors. Yeah. So, so, like, that's one thing I've noticed where I was like, wait, I don't know if it's because of my connection to it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I know I, for I the inheritance like specifically, the inheritance specifically is like I really love magical genre. Mm-hmm. Once I read that book, I was like, "Oh shit!" Like this is how you can <laughs> do it well. <laughs> um, shout out to Moon Fuentes too. I know that's another YA contemporary that has, or that's a YA contemporary that has magical realism, and it's also very beautiful. But yeah, it's. I think it's an underrated genre, in my personal mm-hmm. opinion. But that's because I'm learning to love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So, thank you for listening with us today. I hope you enjoyed the book. I definitely recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you are a queer woman. And mm-hmm. uh, give us five stars. Follow, like, what have you, depending and- on what platform. And I think this book is also another sign of how much we uh, love and appreciate feminist rage here on the podcast. Yes. (laughs) So it's totally on brand for us. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, We are feminists here. (laughs) And we have nothing. We are feminists. We are queer. (laughs) One half of us is not white. (laughs) One half. And yeah, I mean, recommend we are a grilled cheese sandwich. One is 
a brown and one is white colored. <laughs> it's wheat bread and white bread and there's cheese in the middle. <laughs> and that cheese is an allegory for books. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the podcast. <laughs> so if that sounds like your thing, follow us or subscribe. Go check out our other books, <laughs> our other podcast episodes. <laughs> All right, I'm Megan. I'm Denise. <laughs> Have a good one. <laughs> Bye.